That market optimism continues today with equities again reaching new highs. How long can this go on for? Now at last we are seeing a response in the bond markets and yet the euro is the major currency showing the least strength lately. Even with the ECB's Philip Lane talking overnight about how the Delta variant will have limited impact on the European growth story because there's so few serious illnesses and fatalities. And yet you really can't say that of the US yet. But the markets are behaving like you can. So will this optimism stick or could it come crashing down again it's thursday the 26th of august 2021 it's the morning call from nab good morning Well, U.S. equities are rising hard today. A new day, new highs, another 0.2% for the Nasdaq and S&P 500, almost as much for the Dow. All of that despite falls in tech stocks. Apple is down 1% this morning. And Tencent and Alibaba's U.S. listings are both down around 3%, although that is falling back from the optimism that they saw in growth in both stocks early on in the week. Not much happening with the U.S. dollar. It's up a third of 1% on the Japanese yen, but most other currencies have shown gains against it. So balancing things out a bit, the Aussie dollar on the pound are both up a quarter percent the New Zealand dollar up a third of one percent the euro hasn't gained much ground it's at a dollar 17.7 and it seems to be struggling to get much about above that lately and US bonds remember how they were supposed to be holding uh, their ground pending the virtual Jackson Hole symposium that kicks off on Friday well nope they've started to move five basis points added to 10-year treasury yields today uh, the same in Canada and across most of Europe in fact uh, more so in most European countries and oil keeps rising. Brent up another 1.7%. That is close to an 11% bounce back so far this week. So let's chat uh, chat, chat about all of that with Rodrigo Catrill from NAB in Sydney. So first of all, this action in the bond markets at last, what what has prompted them to join the fray and and awaken from their slumber, Rodrigo? (laughs) Um, Morning, Phil. Well, uh, I suppose the the first thing to note is that it's quite right that there's been the build-up in terms of um, and in, in, in improvement in sentiment, uh, which was obviously evident in the commodity prices as well as the equity market and, and currencies, pro-growth currencies like the Aussie and the Kiwi. And finally, now we've seen a bit of a reaction uh, in the bond market, which had been pretty quiet uh, of late. Um, we think it's a combination of things. One, the accumulation of evidence that um, it suggests that we, we may be turning a corner in terms of the, 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 the apparent slowdown of the global economy. Um, the, the news around the pandemic, in particular from, from China, it, uh, very encouraging. Uh, we got to remember that China, like Australia, has a very sort of strict approach, if you like, to, to, to containing the virus. Um, but the, um, the news of those, those, um, declining infection rates to essentially almost zero when you look at the local community infections, it's very encouraging because we we can look to see that reopening, which is already underway in, in many parts of China. So that that's encouraging for the global economy. Um, we also had a five-year auction as well mm. in the U.S. Um, and there was a build-up of concessions, if you like, ahead of the auction. So maybe that 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 was also contributed to to the ramp up in 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 core yields uh, around the globe. And, and when you look at the chart on the ten-year rate, there was a little bit of sort of resistance around that one thirty level. Mm. Uh, and once we we kind of punch through, which was around the time of the auction, uh, we saw an acceleration in the move higher in the 10-year rate to 134. So 
So perhaps a combination of things, but certainly um, all a buildup of positivity in terms of the, the growth outlook. Yeah, and a lot of that is because the vaccination rates are picking up in the United States. But if you look in those southern states, like Louisiana, for example, which has the highest infection rate, and it only has a 30% or so full vaccination rate, and it's much worse than that in black populations, uh, my point is that you are seeing infections still rising in the United States. You've got a, a seven-day average, which is over 150,000 a day. Uh, in the middle of June, it was only 12,000 a day, which might be fine if the fatality rates went also rising, which is not what's happening. You know, in the UK and Europe, we, we're see, we may see the, the infection rates are rising, but the, the death rates aren't really. But in the United States, 1,400 COVID deaths on Tuesday. We, we were in double digits in the middle of July. So none of this looks like, you know, we've got rising death rates, rising infection rates. None of this looks like something that the market should be getting excited about as though we're over the, the worst of it. And obviously that means more supply disruption, less confidence, less employment. Uh, or am I just being overly cautious with these numbers? I'm Am I seeing something, missing out on something here? Well, it's, when we look at the details of, of the, the dynamics of the virus in the U.S., I think that we need to make a distinction between the, the infections and the death rates because the, the death rates are, are kind of a lagging indicator. Um, you know, you get sick, you go to hospital, and then some some die. So, so that's the sort of the lag indicator. So um, when we look at the leading indicator, if you like, which is a, the, the rate of, of infection, um, there are some sort of positive signs that in many, many of those hotspots in the U.S., you're starting to see a decline of that rate of infection, which is still at a very elevated level, but it's a declining rate. So it, it's suggesting that there's a, there's a strong likelihood that you, you might be reaching that sort of peak, if you like, in, in, the, in this current wave. And, and that's the encouraging sign. What we're also seeing, which again, coming from a low base, is that there's been an increase in the level of vaccination rates um, in the U.S. And we've got to remember that the other important factor, which is sort of a new development this week, was those news around Pfizer being finally approved in the U.S., um, and that's triggered a, a whole reaction from the uh, companies, uh, from the government and, and government uh, uh, institutions, uh, where they're going to impose the need for you to be vaccinated in order to come back to work. So that 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 has given the impression or uh, the the feeling that there will be an increase in vaccination rates in the U.S. Uh, given the necessity for you to be vaccinated in order to go to work. So, um, uh, as you say, these are these are all sort of positive signs, then then we, we still need to see those uh, rates of inflection to, to come Sustained. down significantly. But yeah, but the, yeah. yeah. But the market is forward looking. And I think that it, it's an important development. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I guess my point was, you know, how, how fragile is this enthusiasm? So the EU, for example, is going to meet later on today, uh, or, or Thursday, their time to discuss reimposing US travel restrictions. So they're obviously concerned. Uh, but you know, uh, equity is still rising, even so. And, and yet we've, you know, the data, uh, you know, we, we're getting very mixed data, aren't we? So the, uh, for example, Germans IFO, lower than anticipated, 99.4 for the assessment of the business climate, 97.5. Uh, for business expectations, both below 100 now, so pointing to to, uh, to a decline at a time when you know things should be bouncing back. And then in the U.S., overnight durable goods orders, you know, excluding defense for the U.S., down 1.2 percent in July. When you know, again, we're expecting things to be picking up. Yes. Um, so I suppose the 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 IFO for me, the, the interesting thing there is 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 yet a confirmation of those concerns around the supply chains and. When you look at, for instance, the cost yeah. of the freight cost, um, you know, when the pandemic uh, kicked off or when the recovery kicked off after the pandemic last year, 
the big rise in inflation that, that we've seen in, in the later quarters in, in 2020 was because of this sort of supply cost. Um, now, the, the fact that those, those freight costs have continued to rise um, and the, you know, the recent sort of lockdowns in China and so on, that has contributed to an increase in those costs. So if anything, is a reminder that these supply chain issues are, are here to stay for a little bit longer. They may be transitory, but they're going to be transitory for a long time. And, and that's going to be a narrative that is going to persist over the next couple of quarters, and it's going to eventually be reflected again in inflationary pressures. So, so the IFO story there is is an important reminder that there's this sort of speed limit to the recovery because of these supply chain issues. So it's certainly a story and a narrative that, that we mm. need to keep an eye on. Um, the other, in terms of what's going on in the U.S., is actually, you know, it's still a very, very positive story. The, the decline in, in, in the headline number for durable gold orders is, was mainly because of those Boeing's uh, uh, orders that, that declined. Uh, but when you look at the capital goods orders, um, that story has been, it's been a story for, for several months now that it's, it's continued to rise at quite a decent pace to the point that not only it's overtaken levels, pre, pre-COVID levels, but even if you think about the trend and the historical levels, capital orders are very, very strong in the U.S., and, and that's a story that is reflecting that people no. are looking through, if you like, the, the, the struggles of, of the pandemic and the pricing in or investing uh, for a, a much stronger outlook. And, and that's positive. And I think that that story still remains uh, mm. valid. Yeah, well, they're investing for growth, which is obviously a, a good sign. And look, where we, we had a positive sign from Philip Lane as well from the ECB uh, talking overnight, their chief economist, saying that the Delta variant he said it's going to have limited impact on the uh, Eurozone's recovery because of vaccinations, again, because better health, public health measures. Uh, you know, they, they do have far less uh, uh, fatalities in, in Europe, uh, even though the, the infection number is possibly rising. Uh, and, yeah, he said the, it's too early for discussion of the the uh, uh, pandemic emergency purchase program because in whatever form it takes they're going to be providing favorable financing conditions at least through to uh to next march so all good news from him and we get the uh the, the accounts of the, the ecb meeting out later today as well don't we yeah we do and i think it's again that distinction if you like is building up between sort of the narrative coming from the fed um there may be tapering pretty soon, yeah. uh, whereas uh, the ECB is very much of the view we're here to stay in terms of accommodating uh, the, the market, in terms of keeping those financial conditions as easy as possible, and similarly in no rush to even discuss about it. So for, for the ECB debate, if you like, around tapering or what they're going to do about QE, it's, Lane is telling us it's, it's not up for discussion until basically early next year. Um, so timing-wise, there's certainly a distinction between the two central banks. Yeah. So uh, given that, why is the euro struggling to uh, get its head above water lately? Uh, and while we're talking about currency moves, you know, we're seeing big growth in commodity currencies, and yet the Canadian dollar not doing so well today. Well, uh, I suppose the, the euro has been coming off of a low. You know, um, we were trading just below the 117 mark now, and now we're sort of knocking on the 118 mark. So... We have seen an improvement, but that improvement in terms of currencies has been led by pro-growth uh, sensitive currencies such as the Aussie and the Kiwi. Um, again, reflecting that improvement, mm. it's also evident when you see the breakdown in equity markets, pro-cyclical sectors are the ones that are, are performing. Now, the Canadian dollar is sort of the, the exception in, in that narrative, um, and, we, and we think this is coming because of, of politics. Um, where, you know, uh, Trudeau is now called an election in September, 
um, and he's making sort of campaign promises uh, that are, are rattling markets, if you like. And, and the, the news from overnight has been this idea that he will be imposing um, a high level of tax, 3% increase in the corporate tax for financials or for banks and insurance companies um, when they make profits above 1 billion. So, so that's actually rattled the, the Canadian dollar. But when, when you look at the equity market performance in Canada, financials still had a good day because of that steepening of the curve. Uh, but overall, it's certainly been reflected in terms of those concerns uh, when you look at the performance of the Canadian dollar. Right, some important numbers for Australia today. We get private capex for Q2. Of course, we had a massive increase in Q1. Uh, so Q2, uh, I mean, presumably we'll still get a, a solid growth because I mean, I, because it was it was mainly before pre-lockdown, wasn't it? Before the pre-lockdown timing. Well, um, you know, TAP has, has been been telling us to not not to assume that, and uh, for quite some time actually, and and now the data is is kind of confirming his view that we need to be wary that uh, Q2. To, for one, uh, if we do print a, a positive number, it's going to be a very, very low number. Um, and yesterday, those construction numbers, which disappointed, um, essentially meaning that construction is not going to add anything to, to the GDP number in Q2, is, is sort of basically telling us that, you know, the Q2 number... It, at best, it's going to be very close to flat, flat, and at worst, it could actually be a little bit negative. Mm. Um, so, so that's an important story because, as you say, that's Q2. We know Q3 is going to be horrible um, yeah. to the point that, you know, everybody's basically debating how bad or how negative that number is going to be. So, um, it's an important narrative to to keep an eye on. And, and today, those capital expenditure numbers, which are expected to be quite solid, um, it will be important because if they do disappoint. It's going to basically reinforce that view that Q2 could be a negative number uh, ahead of what we know is going to be a negative number in Q3 as well. And those weekly payrolls and wages numbers as well. Uh, wages might be a bit all over the place given the lockdown, but obviously we, if, if we're going to have a quick bounce back, we want people to be keeping their jobs through this. That's right. So there, there's always been this idea of, of you know building that bridge and, and the support that the government and the central bank can provide is, is an important one. Um, now. Yeah. Whether that bridge is wide and strong enough to, to carry as many as people as possible, uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But certainly that will be the focus for the labor market data, um, you know, over the coming months uh, in particular. Right. Okay. Elsewhere, consumer confidence for Germany. We get the initial jobless claims for, for the US. It's going to be interesting to see which direction they're heading and the revised Q2 GDP reading for the US as well, which might, might be a bit higher than the initial read, which of course will just add to the enthusiasm that is uh, keeping the markets buoyed for now. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, though. Good to talk. We'll catch you again soon, Rodrigo. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. Cheers. And if it sounded a bit echoey over the last few days, you'll be pleased to know we're back to our usual studio tomorrow morning when I'll be talking to Dave DeGaris. Have you have a great day. Catch you tomorrow morning.